0: Hi, this is Wendy Lockhart, your host on the Not So Perfect Journey, where we dive into all topics relating to mind, body, and spirit on the journey to becoming our authentic selves. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Not So Perfect Journey podcast. This episode is about our relationship to nature and our authentic selves. My dad loved to be outdoors. We spent a lot of time hiking in Redwood forests, playing at the beach, and camping on lakes. The kind of camping where you load everything in the boat and head out to a spot on the beach with zero facilities. In fact, my dad was so outdoorsy... He took me up Mount Whitney, the tallest mountain in the continental United States, when I was just eight years old. I say took me up because he always joked he carried me for half of it. It was an amazing journey, two days up and one day down, pristine lakes and beautiful trees and plants. I also spent a lot of time with my paternal grandmother at her house in the desert, which sat on Old Route 66 in Arizona in the middle of nowhere, when I was there, we would feed the wild quail and tended her flock of many creatures, which included desert tortoises, geese, egg-laying chickens, guinea fowl, a turkey, a parrot, and of course, dogs and a cat. We frequently went boondocking out in the desert around her house, discovering interesting rocks and trying to avoid getting stuck by Choya, which is a kind of cacti that can jump at you if you get near it. I have really fond memories of those treks. At this point, you may be asking, what does any of this have to do with authenticity? A lot, it turns out. For this episode, we'll be exploring the connection between our relationship to nature in the context of an authentic journey. I started reading a really wonderful book by British psychologist Sharon Blackie, It's called If Women Rose-Rooted, A Life-Changing Journey to Authenticity and Belonging. In the introduction, there is a reference to a conversation between Joseph Campbell, author of The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which outlines his version of a hero's journey. His hero's journey is based on mythological stories where the hero, who always has unknown amazing powers, is forced to set off on a journey to slay monsters and ultimately save his village or city. In most of those stories, women are relegated to the roles of unattainable lovers, monstrous creatures, or beautiful but deadly sirens. When asked by one of his female students about women making heroes' journeys, he replied, Women don't need to make the journey. In the whole mythological journey, the woman is there. All she has to do is realize she is the place people are trying to get to. Sharon Blackie disagrees, as do I. I think Campbell's position doesn't give enough credit to women's contributions. Her view is that women are very much enmeshed with the web of life on our planet and that our journeys are necessary for us to step in and claim our ancient place as caretakers of the earth. It's time for women to step in and re-root ourselves up to the land. Women throughout human history have been the native guardians and caretakers, and that in finding our own authenticity, we can help take responsibility for the future of our planet through ecology. I had never considered authentic journeys in terms of ecology, but when I think about my own experiences, a pretty compelling case can be made. In a 2021 research study about children and their exposure to the natural world, the conclusion was made that a positive relationship between natural contact and children's health, especially for physical activity and mental health, should be public health priorities. The evidence supports pediatricians in advocating for equitable natural contact in children's places where they live and learn. The article went further stating, however, nature contact is not regularly experienced by all children because of urbanization, sedentary indoor lifestyles, and disparities in access to green space. Neighborhoods with more socioeconomically disadvantaged residents and families of color tend to have fewer nearby residential parks, and financial and transportation limitations that prevent access to parks and wilderness outside of city limits. This inequity extends to the school grounds in low income neighborhoods. Furthermore, there is evidence that contact with nature and green space may disproportionately benefit disadvantaged populations by attenuating the toxic effects of property, the so-called equigenic effect. For these reasons, promoting nature contact and ensuring equitable access to green spaces could play a role in improving health outcomes and behaviors and reducing health disparities. Well, that's quite a bit right there, but there are also a handful of studies detailing the correlation directly between schools, having a small nature preserve located on a campus that students can study and explore, and the decrease of behavior issues and increase in academic outcomes. In fact, when the United Teachers of Los Angeles went on strike a few years ago, One of the items on their demand list was each school having a nature area where students could grow native plants that would attract creatures and create a robust ecosystem on their school campuses. Another benefit of putting your hands in the earth and getting dirty is the positive impact it has on our microbiomes. Your microbiome is the producer of 90% of your serotonin one of your feel-good hormones. In order for children and adults to have healthy microbiomes, we may need to do what humans did for centuries before us. We should be encouraging kids and ourselves to do what Mrs. Frizzle told her students on the magic school bus. Take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. Especially the messy part. Perhaps accidentally eating a little dirt now and again is the real key to happiness. The fact is, we are hardwired to work in conjunction with nature, yet how often are you out in it breathing fresh air, touching plants, and observing animals? Nature has a profound impact on our mental health. Being out in nature, even if it is a city park, helps to lower blood pressure lower anxiety, and lower your heart rate? Could a lack of consistent exposure to the natural world impact your ability to decompress and better listen to the voice inside you? I always thought that being so relaxed and happy in nature was because of my positive experiences as a child. But it turns out I'm not the only one. And that humans in general are wired to feel positive in nature. Yet we've really gotten away from our caretaking relationship with the earth. In fact, we're harming it more than helping it. For most people, no longer do we grow our own food or are allowed to forage for food. We've encouraged people to rely on heavily processed, pre-packaged food that is not nutrient-dense or healthy. In the name of corporate America, are you hearing a call to an authentic journey that may center around mothering the earth and therefore yourself? When I was in college, I took many ecology and animal behavior classes, did some internships at the Sacramento Zoo, and was very interested in doing some kind of work with zoos in animal conservation. That didn't work out and I ended up teaching science to middle school students, which I loved, but some fun things like doing sixth grade science camp, raising trout eggs from hatchlings and releasing them in the Santa Cruz mountains and collecting data from our local creek to analyze helped me realize that part of my dream. Interacting with nature and teaching others about it has always been a source of happiness, passing on the experiences I had with my dad and grandma. Most adults, though, don't have those opportunities. Is being in nature your happy place? The place where you can hear your thoughts, breathe in fresh air, and feel the sun on your face? One of the things I've been doing in my 50s now that brings me joy is adding native plants to my garden that attract birds, bees, and butterflies. Creating spaces for pollinators is one way you can make a difference in helping the health of our planet. It seems like a small thing, but learning about what plants do well where you live, I live here in the desert, feels very important to me, especially if you live in an area like I do that has these lush, perfect gardens and water-guzzling golf courses. None of those plants are natural to this area. Another thing I started doing recently is volunteering at our local zoo. After years of not living near one, I'm finally experiencing the dream of my youth, which is bringing me more joy than I thought imaginable. Our zoo does tons of local conservation, propagating plants and restoring habitat areas for desert tortoises, along with giving tortoise hatchlings a head start. I really feel this is part of my purpose and helping me to further trust and listen to the voice inside me. Our two hacks for this week are probably going to sound very obvious. First, get yourself outside. (laughs) Hopefully it's not too cold where you live. Maybe you can go on vacation somewhere. What plants and animals do you notice? Sit quietly and just observe. Breathe deeply and let your body relax. If it's possible, take off your shoes and ground your feet in the earth. Raise your hands high and let the energy of the earth flow through you. The second hack for this week is related to your microbiome, your own personal ecosystem, teeming with millions of organisms that help produce those feel-good hormones Each person has a completely unique microbiome, like a fingerprint. Improving its function can help stabilize emotions and help you think more clearly. Again, it's all about listening to your voice. Feeding your microbiome with probiotic foods containing good microbes and prebiotic fibers can help produce more of those feel-good hormones. My quick hack for this one is to mix 4 ounces of kefir, that's K-E-F-I-R, either dairy or non-dairy, and 2 pounds of ground flaxseed. The fermented kefir provides the microbes, and the flaxseed provides the fiber, which the microbes eat and digest. Our questions to ponder this week are centered around your relationship with nature, What are your memories of it as a child? Did you spend a lot of time outside? Did your family camp? What would you like to bring of those memories back into your life? Do you feel a call to help the earth? What does that look like, sound like, feel like? Can you lean into that even more? So as always, thank you for listening. Please follow the show and share it with a friend. I'd love to hear, again, how these things are working out for you. So check out the Facebook page. Check out my Instagram page at NotSoPerfectJourney. And you can always drop me a line through my Wendy Lockhart Wellness website. So until next time, have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening and don't forget to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good on your not so perfect journey.